Mary was a, a woman who grew up in the church. She grew up going to church every single Sunday with her mom. She knew what Jesus had done for her, that uh, he lived perfectly, died innocently on the cross, rose from the dead, so she doesn't have to fear death. She, she knew this is what Jesus did. She knew what the Bible said that God expected from people who followed Christ, from disciples of Jesus. She knew it. But one day Mary found herself at the park and she met a man named Bill. And Bill and her hit it off. And soon a, a friendship turned physical very quickly as they gave in to, to their sinful desires. And what made their, their actions even more selfish was the fact that Bill was a married man. They tried to be honorable. They tried not to give in to their selfish desires. But they found themselves uh, sleeping together more and more times. Until one day their secret came out. Because there, Mary stood holding a pregnancy test. She was pregnant. She stood in that bathroom feeling completely convicted because she knew what God said. And she deliberately disobeyed God's expectations for her life. Those emotions, those, those passions, those desires were now filled with other emotions. Guilt. Shame. As she stood there looking at the pregnancy test. She went to Bill and, and she said... Bill, I, I'm, I'm going to leave town. I am pregnant and I'm sick of messing up your life. I'm sick of messing up my life. I don't want to disturb your life anymore. I'm leaving. And he said, no. I love you and I'm going to tell Lisa and divorce her. Lisa and Bill had been married for eight years and had no kids. We live in a messy world, don't we? We live in a, a world that is filled with hurts, filled with sorrows, filled with pain. And I'm willing to bet that all of us at some point in our life have been Lisa. Maybe our spouse hasn't cheated on us. Maybe we haven't felt that betrayal. But I'm willing to bet that all of us have had a broken heart like Lisa. And when we are in that situation, how do we not let bitterness take root in our heart? Because when bitterness takes root, what happens? We get controlled by that bitterness, don't we? So how do we not let that bitterness take root? How do we forgive? So today, if you can relate to Lisa, if you're sitting here and you say, I relate to her, I, I've had a broken heart like that, this message is for you this morning. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I actually relate more to Mary. I have caused somebody hurt. And because I have caused somebody to hurt, my heart now hurts as I'm carrying around this guilt and shame. If that describes you, this message is also for you this morning. Because what we're going to see is that God's grace is greater than our hurts. The hurts that we've caused and the hurts that we have experienced. Today we are looking at Matthew chapter 18. 
and Jesus is going to tell us a parable. Uh, a, a parable is an earthly story that Jesus tells. It contains earthly uh, elements that we know, that we can understand, but he's driving home a spiritual truth. He just got done talking to his disciples about what happens when somebody sins against you. Jesus says, when someone sins against you, go and confront them and tell them how they sinned, and if they are sorry, you're able to announce God's forgiveness to them. And Peter, Jesus, I guess you could call him his head, the head disciple, not that Jesus does name that, him that, Peter just kind of took the reins, so to speak. Uh, and Peter, he gets what Jesus is saying, but he says there's got to be a limit, right? If somebody sins against me the same sin over and over again, how many times do I have to forgive them before I say, I don't forgive you anymore? And he asked Jesus this question. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, Peter's actually being pretty generous here because the Jewish leaders during uh, Peter's day, uh, they were teaching that if somebody sinned against you just three times, you only had to forgive them three times. After that, it's, it's kind of, you should have learned your lesson by now. You don't need my forgiveness. You, don't, you haven't earned it. And Jesus says, no, no, not seven times, but 77. The number really didn't matter what Jesus the number that Jesus said didn't really matter, right? Because his point is, when, when you think you've forgiven enough, forgive more and more and more. And then Jesus tells this parable to illustrate his point. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay... The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. All right, so Jesus' story here. He tells of a king who wants to settle his accounts with his servants, and he brings before him a man who owes 10,000 bags of gold. Uh... How much is 10,000 bags of gold? Great question. Uh, during Jesus' day, it was a, a, a kind of a laughable amount. It was so much that nobody could ever pay that back. Uh, so Jesus puts a number on it, but it, it's kind of like us saying, uh, hey, this guy owed him a, a zillion dollars. It, it's some unpayable amount of money that nobody would ever pay back. Nobody could pay back. And so he brings this man before him and he says, look, you've broken the contract with me. You owe me. And because you can't pay back, you're going to now be punished for breaking that contract with me. And he says, I'm going to sell you, your wife, and your children. And whatever that money is, that's going to come to me. Uh, this was typical practice first century. Uh, everyone's viewed as an asset. You can sell anybody. And, and make money, and you can use that money to then pay off your debts. And this man, when he hears what the punishment is going to be, falls to his knees, and in desperation cries out something that he can never do. Be merciful to me and I'll pay everything back. When we're in desperate situations, we say things that 
we can't possibly do. We'll say anything just to, for somebody to have mercy on us. And, and he says, I'll pay everything back. And look what happens. The king ha- takes pity on him. He not only cancels the debt, forgives the debt, but then he lets the man go without punishment. Total and complete forgiveness. That's what this king offers to this man. He's now debt-free before the king. Here's a spiritual truth for us. We are born into this world with a contract, so to speak, with God, right? God says, be perfect and you get heaven. And what have we done? We have sinned and we have sinned and we have sinned. That debt now stands at a zillion sins and we need to have none. We have broken the contract with God. And and just like at the end of the month you can check your bank statements and you can see your credit card transactions and, and what you've spent money on, God sees every transaction that we have ever done. Every sin is listed right there for Him to see. We may be able to get away with the lie, but God knows what the truth is, right? We may be able to delete our browser history, but God's already seen it. He hears uh, the disrespectful words that come out of our mouths. He hears the, the hurtful words that we say to somebody, even if it's behind closed doors and that person's not there. Though our doors are closed tight, though our windows are shut, and nobody else hears the fights and arguments behind the door, God does. He sees the hatred and the lust in our heart, and as each one comes through, it's transaction after transaction after transaction, zillions and zillions and zillions of sins. One after another. We've broken that contract with God that says, live perfectly. And now we've got a couple options, right? We can deny our debt. We can say, I don't have a debt, and just turn a blind eye, but that never works. Eventually it always catches up to you. We can dismiss it, and we can say, well, well, compared to other people's debts, my debt's not so bad. Reality is we still owe God a debt. Or we can say, you know what? I I recognize my debt to God, but I'm going to make it up. I'm going to pay it off. The only problem is that there's no amount of good works, no amount of charitable actions that's going to pay off a zillion sins. In fact, not even one sin. Because God's not interested in our good works to pay off sin. He's not interested in charitable actions for uh, our debts. And so there we're left. And God says, you've broken my contract. You haven't lived perfectly. In fact, you have zillions of sins. And now you can't pay it back. So now you have to be punished. And what's our punishment? Guilt. Shame. Eternal separation from Him in hell. Be sold off to Satan. And that causes us to hit our knees just like this man. And say, be merciful. Please, be merciful. And God is. God is. If you're following along, your first point this morning is this. God's grace is greater than our debts. 
If you want to add a word to that, you could say, then our spiritual debts. God's grace is greater than our debts. The man in the story hit his knees to the ground and begged for mercy, and the king said, I forgive you completely, totally forgiven. 100% complete forgiveness. No more contract, no more debt, and no more punishment for your sin, you, or for your debts. You're completely forgiven. And that's what God has done for us. God says, Stephen Apt, you have broken my contract. You have uh, a, a transaction sheet filled with zillions of sins. You can't pay it back. You deserve punishment, Stephen. But I have mercy on you and compassion. And I have completely forgiven your debt, and I have let you go without punishment. I have forgiven you completely. If you are sitting here today and you relate, related more with Mary than Lisa, which all of us can relate with Mary because we've all sinned, know that you are forgiven. Your debt with God is canceled, completely and totally forgiven. Do you know what the thing is about forgiveness, though? Forgiveness is never free. Only to the recipient is it free. For instance, if I have you over to my house and you break my front door, I've got three options, right? I can A, make you pay for it. You broke it, you pay for it. That would be justice. Uh, But that's not forgiveness. Uh, B, I can forgive you and absorb the loss. I can live without a front door. Or C, I can forgive you and pay for the door myself. Either way, forgiveness means I'm taking the hit. You aren't. The same is true with God's forgiveness. God says, I forgive you totally and completely. But what does God do? He not only absorbs it, He pays for it Himself. And this is what the Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians. Here's what he says. When you are dead in your sins, spiritually bankrupt, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. God Himself steps into human history, known as Jesus, Jesus Christ. And He transfers the contract that is to us, that is binding with us, and God. He transfers that and all of the punishment and all of our debt to His name. And He takes our debt, He takes our contract, and He takes the punishment we deserve. And He goes to the cross, and He nails it there. There at the cross, your contract with God has been nailed and in Jesus' blood, written paid in full. Your debt has been paid by Jesus. Completely and totally. No guilt, no shame, no punishment anymore. Totally and completely forgiven. The thing about debt is that it's kind of oppressive, isn't it? We walk around with this huge weight over us wondering where we're going to get the money to pay off our debt. 
And, and if we're far enough in debt, we, we're constantly looking over our shoulders, waiting for creditors to come, creditors to call, to track us down. The same is true with our relationship with God, right? If we are responsible for our debt, we're constantly looking over our shoulder, waiting for the king of the world to track us down. But not anymore. Your debt has been paid in full. And now this king says, you know what, I'm not just some far distant king, I want to be your heavenly father. I want to be there with you every single moment of of your life. I want to give you grace after grace through this life. We are guilt-free, shame-free before God because of Jesus. Totally forgiven. Your debt is gone. That's what this man experienced in the parable. Totally and completely forgiven. And you would think this would change the man's heart. But unfortunately, the story takes an ugly turn here. Jesus continues, But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This servant who was just forgiven a zillion dollars goes out and finds a man who owes him six months worth of wages. Not an insignificant amount. I mean, half a year's salary is a large amount. Uh, But compared to a zillion dollars, it's nothing. And you would think that this man hearing the same exact words that he just used with the king, he'd have some compassion. But he doesn't. He puts him in a chokehold and says, pay me back what you owe me. And when he doesn't, he says, I'm going to extend my full rights and I'm going to throw you into prison. And that's what he does. We've all been Lisa. We all have hurts. We all have pains. People have caused us. And when those moments come, how do we react? More often than not, we act like this guy, don't we? Unwilling to forgive. And if we are willing to forgive, it's only after we've put so many stipulations on it. We, we say things like, I'll forgive that person when they pay me back in, back in full. I'll forgive that person only when they make up for ruining my life. I'll pay back that person when they say they're sorry. I'll pay back their person, or I'll pay back that person when, when they actually seem like they're sorrowful. Maybe if they shed a tear, then I'll say that I'm sorry. Or then I'll say I forgive you. Why is it so hard to forgive? Because someone hurt us, right? Someone hurt us. And when we have a broken heart, those actions. And those hurts seem so big. We maximize them. And when we maximize what other people have done to us, we tend to minimize what we've done against God. Yes, we've sinned against God, but it wasn't as bad as this. This really hurt me. And yet we forget what a zillion sins feel like to God. And we stop focusing on God's grace and we focus on what they've done to us. And yet, 
we need to focus on God's grace. And when we focus on God's grace, our hurts seem to be really small. Here's your second point today. God's grace for you is greater than debts done to us. God's grace for you greater than debts done to us. And I don't say that to minimize what's been done to you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what hurts you've had. And I don't mean to minimize them because hurts are hurts. Broken hearts are broken hearts. And they hurt. But what I want to do with this is to get you to, uh, instead of minimizing what's been done to you, I want to maximize what's been done for you. Because God's grace is greater than anything you've ever gone through. God's grace has not only forgiven you all of your sins, but God now says, I want to be with you every single moment of every, of, of every day of your life. I want to be with you through every hurt you've ever gone through, and I'm going to give you the grace you need. I'm going to give you the grace to stand and be strong through the hurt. I'm going to give you the grace to fill up your broken heart to heal you. I'm going to give you the grace so that you can stand and be comforted in the loneliness. I want to give you the grace to give you, to make up for whatever you lost in life because of that hurt. I'm here to give you grace after grace after grace. And His grace is greater than our hurts. Greater than anything done to us. It's undeserved. And yet our Heavenly Father wants to continue to give it to us every single moment of every single day. And it's when we focus on that grace and what's been done for us that we can avoid being this man in the parable. And we can avoid what happened to this man. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The king says to the man, Fine, you want to play fair? You want, you want what's actually yours? I will give you what actually is yours. And he hands him over to the jailers to be tortured until he can pay back what he owes. How long will it take to raise 10,000 bags of gold in jail? Longer than this man's life. How can we avoid being this man? We focus on God's grace. Hurts hurt. They do. Broken hearts hurt. And yet when we focus on God's grace, we're able to bring His grace, His love, His forgiveness, and let it come through us, to us, and then through us. And that's your last point. When we focus on God's grace for us, it then flows through us. When we focus on God's grace for us, it then flows through us. Mary continued her story after Bill told Lisa and her life was devastated, crushed. Here's what Mary said. Do you know what Lisa did after she watched her life come crumbling down around her? She called me 
She called me to say that she didn't hate me and that her prayer is that somehow we could all be family. A little later, a little later on, she even asked if she could be Aunt Lisa to the baby. How? Who has such strength? Who has such grace? I guess the only word is Jesus. Her strength, her mercy, her grace are only a mere inkling of what Jesus offers. Lisa knew God's grace. She knew God's grace for her, that God forgave her zillions of sins. She knew God's grace, that He would be with her every minute through this whole thing. She, he would give her grace in the loneliness, grace to comfort her heart, grace to make up for the hard times in her life. God's grace was her, hers. And because she focused on God's grace to her, she was able to let it flow through her to others. This week, may we focus on God's grace, the abundance of it. God's grace is greater than our hurts. And and as we focus on God's grace, may it come to us that it may go through us to others, that we may give the same grace that has been given to us. May God be with us this week as we do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace that has canceled our debt to You uh, totally and completely, that we have no guilt, we have no shame, uh, we don't face punishment from You, but instead we get eternal life and all the riches of heaven. Uh, And through this life, we get all of Your grace. We thank You for Jesus who lived and died for us. We thank You that You have given us this grace and we ask You to help us uh, always seek Your grace, be filled with Your grace, that we may give Your grace to others. In your name we pray. Amen.